This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent big wins and memorable seasons is with championship rings. And the team at Legend Rings is here to help college coaches do just that. Visit legendrings.com and stay tuned later in the show for a special offer for you and your team, coach. And now it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with her host, inventor of the term Okidoki, and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey, Coach. It's Dan, and once again, I am talking to you from my car. Yes, that's right. It is back-to-back episodes of Driving with Dan. Uh, if you tuned in to the previous episode, then you know we were talking all about emails. I had a drive to a campus from an airport, and so I spent that time talking to you, which we hadn't done in a while. We used to do Driving with Dan episodes here on the podcast quite a bit, and we just got away from it, had a lot of great interviews lined up, and just hadn't done one in a while, so I decided to do one. Well, this is the follow-up. This is part two. The first one was all about the right way, based on our research, all the latest information that we have on why email should definitely be a part of your recruiting messaging campaign should be in the mix. Well, this one is all about letters. That's right. Good old-fashioned, on paper, mailed through the U.S. postal system, letters. Why should those be a part of your recruiting plan? We've got lots of good information, lots of good tips. I would suggest that if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you stop here, pause it, go back and listen to that one because there's a lot that we're going to build on from that, the information that we gave. Uh, If you listen to it, great, then uh, we're going to dive in and just get started with it. Uh, So I'll try not to repeat any of the main principles and sort of foundational things we talked about in terms of why these two elements are so important in recruiting. I'm just going to get into uh, the letter aspect. So Of course, recruiting used to be done back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s through letter primarily because that's all coaches had. You wrote a couple of letters, you tried to make contact in person with the the recruit, and it sort of then uh, developed from there, sprinkling some phone calls, the visit to campus, and that was recruiting. Well, now, of course, we have a lot of different different platforms to contact and to create relationships through, of course, social media, email, as we went through last time. So where does where does the aspect of letters fall into this whole mix? Um, because I think largely, if we had to survey across the country, college coaches, and do they send out letters? I would say probably now less than half do. And those that do, usually it's one, maybe two letters near the start of the process just to kind of officially kick off the, uh, the relationship, kick off the contact, uh, and, and that, that's the extent of it, really. So what we found is, if that's you, if I just described you as a college recruiter, that is hurting you. And I'm going to describe how and why letters are so important in the process and Look, I'm going to be uh, right up front about it. I'm going to really try to convince you to add letters to the mix to your uh, to your recruits because, <laughs> Coach, they are so effective with this generation. Um, now, yes, they take more time. They cost some more money. 
but if you can find a way to, to work them in, even if it's just with your top recruits, the ones you're really serious about, it's going to pay off. Uh, and I'm going to explain why. So we'll go through it a little bit like we did with the emails. I'm going to give you some main points of how those letters, when they show up in a mailbox to, uh, to a prospect's house, why they make such an impact, why they're so important, why recruits love them so much. So let's first talk about that, the, the why behind a letter. Um, when you send a letter out to a recruit, it is the only thing they get from you as a coach that is physical. They can see it, they can touch it, they can uh, feel it, it's paper, it's the envelope. And because of that, there is a tangibility, I'm not even sure that's a word, but there's a tangible aspect to this when you send a letter that is almost impossible to replace, we find. It really does make an incredible difference. We talked about in the last episode how phone calls are um, a, a big source of validation for a recruit, that you know, you're, you're serious about them, and that phone call really matters, uh, that, and that's part of the mix. The, the thing about the letters that you, uh, you need to understand is that that, for them, makes it official, that you are serious about them, you're recruiting them because you put their name, that information, your signature on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and it showed up at their house. So it is an increased level of seriousness that is almost impossible to replace, and that's you you should want that that's something that I shouldn't have to convince you is important you should want something that important in the eyes of a recruit uh, sitting there on their desk with your logo your name everything about your school on it uh, because it's that important to them now look that's counterintuitive to us as adults because as I've described in workshops that we do or times when we're talking to coaches about this my attitude towards mail is, when I pick it up at the uh, at the end of our driveway at our mailbox, before I get into the house, I want to have sorted through it and taken as little possible into the house uh, as needed. I want to toss the rest of it in the trash can by our back door before I go through the garage and into the house. So my attitude towards mail is I know it's necessary. Um, I get inundated, as you probably do, with all sorts of junk mail advertisements, stuff that's just not important. I'm looking for uh, bills, other important things that I knew were coming just to me, just to my wife, our family, and everything else is going to go in the trash unless I think there is some remote chance I'm interested. Recruits have the completely opposite view towards mail. They will pick up and read most of everything that you send them in the mail. Now, Am I saying that, well, okay, let's take this to a ridiculous extreme. Should you do everything by mail? No, because one of the downfalls with mail is you can't react to it quickly. You can't, if I'm the prospect, I can't hit reply and or text you right back, and uh, it's, it's not conducive to that. There is a little bit more of a, a hurdle to clear if I wanted to respond to a letter. They can still respond to it, and they do if it's written correctly, which we'll get into, but that's something that isn't part of the function, whereas a text message, direct message on social media, an email, those are things that I can reply and interact directly immediately with a coach. Letters don't do that, but what letters do is they're the, the thing that 
that tell the story the best because it's treated the most seriously. So if you want to uh, convey anything official in a letter, anything important in a letter, that you want, by the way, the parents to also see. So you might be talking about something about the the financials at the school, um, something about your plan for the athlete, um, aspects of why campus is safe, uh, living in the dorms, things like that that are going to be things that you want to make sure the parents of your prospects see as well. Those are the things that I think are, are perfect for letters. Why is that? Because it's easy for the athlete to get the letter, open it, read it, and then show mom and dad. And the other part of it is that we find a lot of parents will intercept that mail. They're the ones that usually go out and get the mail. They'll sometimes open it, read it, and then give it to their son or their daughter who is being recruited. So what we find is that there is a high pass-along rate for that material, that letter, that almost nothing else even comes close to duplicating. What do I mean by pass-along rate? Well, if you were advertising in a magazine, and this probably would have been a while ago, but uh, one of the things from a marketing standpoint that was very, very true in the 90s, early 2000s, before the emergence of so much electronic media, was uh, people that would advertise in magazines would be looking for what the pass-along rate was. In other words, one person gets a magazine and they might read your article, your ad, and they would pass it along to someone else. So if they knew, for instance, that a, uh, a, a magazine was going to sit around in a doctor's office or uh, in a um, any other kind of setting where a lot of people would have access to it, there's more value in that because more people are going to see that one piece of material that you paid to be in and that was value. Well, um, there's a little bit of that with letters. We find that they do get shown almost 70% of the time, they do get shown between family members. So there's more than one person reading it, which I think has value in the recruiting process if you're trying to tell a story. And um, when they receive that letter, they don't throw it away. Now, again, you and I, me especially, I try to throw stuff away as soon as possible. Uh, my wife does not like clutter in the house. Uh, I don't want clutter when it comes to mail. I got a lot of mail I already handle and, and email and everything else, just like we all do. So I want to simplify. I don't want extra mail. Recruits, on the other hand, are thrilled when they get letters. By and large, this is a really huge deal for them, and they're going to reward you as the uh, as the sender for that in this way. They don't throw the, away the, the letters. They stay usually on a desk, on a counter, somewhere with the prospect. They will keep that letter. Why? Why in the world do you keep mail laying around? I don't. You probably don't. Um, they do because it's evidence to them, it's proof to them that they are important, that they're good enough, and that you're giving them written proof that they are somebody that you're interested in and they can compete at that level. And so they save it. And I think there's value if you look over a span of recruiting, which could be, you know, six, eight, 15, 16, 24 months. Imagine if that if a letter was going out to them every couple of weeks on some aspect of your program, uh, and that goes back to the consistency aspect of messaging that we talked about in the previous episode in part one. Uh, if that maintains and 
they don't throw things away. By the end of the recruiting process, they see a stack of mail from you, and I've got to believe, and we have a lot of anecdotal proof, uh, case-by-case proof of this, that they don't get that from other coaches. And at the end of the process, when they're trying to figure out who should I commit to, who wants me the most, I've, I'm now looking back through the whole process. I got to break this tie of who I'm going to be saying yes to. The coach that has committed to and shown them value by writing letters wins more often than they lose. Wins way more than they lose in that recruiting battle. So look, strategically, it's another thing that you can put in your favor. I'm not. I'm not saying that you write the most letters and you're automatically going to win. But I am saying that it puts you at another advantage compared to some of your other prospects. And why wouldn't you want that? Uh, if you're a serious recruiter, you're wanting the best athletes. Um, you should want that. Uh, you should want that that reality to hit. The other interesting aspect of this that I kind of think is funny. We've told this story or made this observation a lot in the workshops we do for coaching staffs or athletic departments when we get to go to campus and do training over a couple of days with an athletic department. Uh, what What's interesting is that I think we forget as adults that we've been dealing with mail for so long as adults. We just you know, we know how to interact with it. We know how to send it. Um, your kids, the kids that you are recruiting, the prospects that you're trying to get to come to your program and communicate with, they most of them don't know how the mail works. What do I mean by that? Um, they could write a letter or they could you know, type one out, print it out. Yeah, they could do that. But then what do they do with it? They have to find an envelope. Where do I get an envelope? There's not one. I don't have a stack of envelopes usually at the house. I might have to ask my parents, but they don't usually know where to find an envelope. If they are able to, um, and they're able to get the letter into the envelope, which, again, I, it's not a hard task, but it is something that they, you know, there's a little bit of mystery surrounding all this for them. Now they have to address it. Well, how do I address an envelope? If you think about it, they're not teaching it in school. Unless they've sent out a bunch of mail before, they don't know how to address an envelope correctly. They don't know how to get it back to you or to whoever they're sending it to. Uh, and... Even if they did address it, now where do you get a stamp? I gotta go get a, buy a stamp, and now I gotta go find a mailbox to put it into. So the process, even though again we would look at it and say this is a simple, easy process, and you know nothing much to think about. The um, for the prospect, this is a, a complicated, uh, time-intensive venture, and that's another reason why they put a lot of value in you sending letters because they don't know how to do it they don't they are not experienced with it they know it's hard it's much harder than swiping on their phone sending a message replying uh, touching a few buttons and, and there it's done this is uh, old-school communication that they don't know how to do and so again we find that they tell us there's extreme value in that. They are excited about a letter. A lot of kids use the same language in describing when they get a letter from a coach. Um, they describe it like Christmas. I want to see what that coach has to say. I get to open this envelope. Again, it's a physical act of interacting with that mail, which they don't have the experience of doing now much anymore. So I just want to let you know that's why mail works so well. Um, in, in the previous uh, part one of this episode when we were talking about email, we made the case, we made the, the point that 
as much as possible, those emails should emulate and have the same sort of feel and function as a text message. Why? Because we're looking for their reply. We want them to interact with the email. And so to be conversational, um, that's going to increase the response rates. Uh, and we want that in an email. It should be lo- much less formal because a lot of emails are written formally like a letter would be written. So does that same rule apply to letters? Um, I would say it's a it's a, a toned-down version of an email. What, what I mean by that is a letter is something that is a little more official. I still want you to be conversational, however. I still want your voice to be coming through loud and clear on that. I still want your tone, your personality to show through in a letter. I don't want you to go into... Um, you know, high school, senior, college, junior mode of learning how to write um, the perfect you know five or six paragraph letter uh, that we've all learned how to do over time. I don't want that. It should be still something that is short to the point and uh, features you and your personality and your voice truly coming through that letter. Now I say it's sort of fifty-fifty. It's less than an email because. It's what a letter has the opportunity to do is to convey something serious, and that goes back to a few minutes ago when I mentioned that if you have a serious topic, an interesting topic that you want the parents to read, we have to understand that a lot of times parents will read the letters, and so um, I don't want you to be so informal that it it strikes as not serious, but I do want you to be conversational enough where the entire family, whether it's a parent whether it's a uh, athlete that you're communicating with, feels compelled and comfortable in getting back with you and, and talking with you. Since I have brought up parents, the other thing that I'll share with our research when it comes to letters is that parents read letters at an even greater rate than the athlete does. So the athlete might read a letter once, give it to their mom, give it to their dad, and dad and mom would read it two or three times usually and not throw it away, save it, um, because again, there's a much more, there's I think, an increased level of seriousness with it, and they're, they just interact with that more. Which means, the other thing that I would really suggest doing, and I would make the case for, for implementing, is every couple of weeks, send the parents of your recruit a letter as well, written just to them on a topic that would be important for the parents to know. So, for instance, if we're if we're talking about campus culture, campus life on at your school, we're getting away from the sport. We want to talk about something different because we know that's important to give a, a variety. We, we also know, again, going back to the part one of this series, that uh, to focus on one central topic and to go through a lot of different levels of it and really zero in on the main points is critical. That's important. So. We know that if we're looking at, let's say, the topic of life on campus and what is it like to live there and being an athlete there, we're going to write something in an email or a letter to the athlete that is maybe focused on the friends you're going to have, the outside activities, the fun they have on the weekends, whatever it is, something that builds out the culture, the family, the feel, but from the athlete perspective. We, we aren't necessarily concerned with doing that with the parent, not that we're trying to hide something from them uh, related to campus life and, and all the fun stuff that happens on, on a typical college campus. But what we're trying to do is zero in on the same topic, on that same campus life, campus culture and vibe topic, but now it's talking about something that would, would be important or relevant for a parent.
Hey, Coach, we'll get right back to the podcast here in just a minute. But first, a question for you. Have you gone over to look at legendrings.com yet? You should. You may have been hearing us talk about them on previous podcast episodes. Another coach did. In fact, the question that he had for me was, so Dan, what do they really look like? And I said, what do you mean, what do they really look like? He said, well, I saw what they look like on the website, but what do they look like when they actually show up for coaches that order them? And the answer is exactly like they do on the website. In fact, coach, you get to design what the ring looks like. This is the same look that the big-time national champions have, but at a fraction of the price. So whether it's for rewarding your team on a great season, rewarding individuals, whatever the case, legendrings.com is the new coach's choice for beautiful college sports rings. So go there now. In fact, when you do, mention the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast when you talk to the representative, and you'll get a special gift, your own coach's ring, for free. That's legendrings.com. Coach, you got to go check it out. Okay, now back to the podcast. Yeah, so for instance, on that topic, I think safety of campus, what's around campus, what do they have access to, the more practical sides of living away from home, that's what I would spend time talking about with the parent of a recruit. Um, I'm going to go back to when our daughter was getting recruited and uh, we were visiting uh, campuses and she eventually went to the University of Iowa. Loved it there, great experience uh, and uh, for her sport. Anyway, so when we were doing orientation, um, I was assigned, uh, my, my wife went to the, the seminar on uh, during orientation of uh, how to cope with your child leaving home, and she assigned me to go to campus safety. She wanted to know is this a safe campus? Is the what are the different you know uh, protocols for if something goes wrong? How do they watch after the kids? Now that's a very adult and mom thing to be worried about. I don't think my daughter was that worried about safety. I don't think my daughter was that concerned about um, uh, you know where all the uh, police boxes were on on campus uh, because she was again tuned into and zeroed in on the fun and the aspects of being at a big school and all that. Um, my wife. As the adult, as the parent, had a totally different uh, priority list. And and that's emblematic. I use that as a story and as an example of what we see with parents all the way through with all different topics. When you talk to the mom, the dad, please pick things out that you could write in a letter or in an email, but we're talking about letters here. But when you write them, make sure you're writing them information that would be relevant to them as a parent. Same topic, same focus as the athlete that you might be communicating with, but just now going to uh, to more of a perspective from the parent because it matters, it's important, and the parents are going to look and and notice when you reach out to them specifically because you know what, ninety nine percent of the other coaches listening to this podcast will not implement anything that I'm talking about here when it comes to writing letters to the parents on a consistent long-term basis they just won't do it and so and i'm comfortable with that i'm okay with that for you that's listening and only you be that one percent that does it because you are going to see the reaction to it is incredibly positive they're going to talk about it and again i always aim all these all these tactics all these strategies really go towards the end of the process when the family's sitting around the dinner table they know they're having to make a tough decision soon who do we pick? Where do we go? What's the right school? I want the parents 
want the athlete to do this as well, but I really want the parents to say, you know what, I really liked Coach Tudor and his program. I really like how he treated you, and he was really open with us and communicated a lot. I think that's going to be the best program. Um, that happens a lot in the process. When a coach carries this out, that's a very, very typical thing that happens at some point during the process. It doesn't mean that you're going to get them every time. It doesn't mean that the prospect is going to respond or the parents are going to be fans of you every time. But most times, it completely changes the way they look at you and offers the definition they need of you and the program. And so that's why I want you to do it. So just like we did with emails, now that I've sort of set the table as to why letters work, the fact that they don't get thrown away, they're, uh, they're viewed as more important, they get passed around, the parents love them, they interact with them. Let me give you a couple of rules of what to do with a letter, just like we did with the emails. Rule number one, don't use the whole page. Don't use that eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Don't fill it up completely. Leave a lot of white space, leave a lot of blank space. Um, make it short and to the point. By short, I mean two thirds, half of a page, two thirds of a page, not the entire page. I've seen coaches, I've seen examples of letters where you tell the coach had so much to say, this was their one shot, they were going to say it, and they go to an eight-point font, and that sucker is uh, spaced out to the widest margin, and it's jam-packed with information. Uh, we don't like, as humans, we don't like reading a message like that because it's tough on the eyes. We know it's going to take, a, for us, an incredible amount of time to get through the letter. We're going to start skimming over it, not read everything, and it's just not effective. Whereas, if you commit to the idea that I talked about earlier of sending a letter a couple of week, or every couple of weeks to the athlete and every couple of weeks to the parent, so there's this regular, but not, not overbearing, but a regular flow of written mail going to them, at least the top prospects, preferably all your prospects, but at least the top prospects, you don't have to say everything in one letter. You can space it out. You can take all those information points that you would typically or maybe in the past have put into a recruiting letter and now space that out over a 12 to 18 month period. You don't have to go um, all in all at once. If you do that, what you're probably going to find is that now my message is automatically shorter because I don't have to pack it all in. And there's only so much I can say about where they're going to eat on campus. So that can be a shorter message. you want that because, again, it's easy to read, it looks nice, and it gets to the point and gets remembered. And that's the other thing that, again, we touched on it with the email. There is so much information coming through in a lot of these messages we see from coaches that it becomes tough for the recruit to pick through and, and figure out what's important and, and also finding something to remember, something to take away. Uh, because, again, a lot of the time the, the stuff is so random that gets sent to them and there's so much of it and it sounds so much like all of the other coaches that are communicating with them if they write them a letter um, I come away as the prospect most of the time feeling like well that's another school that wants me but I don't know now what to think about that school we don't want that that's something that we don't uh, want to have happen so shorter limited to a half page two thirds of a page at the most and uh, and again be be conversational. That was going to be point number two. It has to be in your tone. Just like that rule was put in place with the emails that I wanted you to write, have it be conversational. This should be conversational as well. We don't want a lot of flowery language, um, 
big words, impressive sentences where you're using your master's degree uh, education to uh, to write uh, a uh, an athlete. I wanted to be. I wanted to have a sense that you had 10 or 15 extra minutes in your day. You had a thought you wanted to share with the athlete, and that's what goes in the letter. You might take that approach, write your first letter like that, look at it and say, ah, this, I don't know if I want to send it. It seems sort of short and formal. Um, there's not a lot of information about uh, in it compared to what I've been sending in the past. My answer to that is fantastic. That's the kind of message that you want to send. Shorter, more to the point, and focused on something uh, specific and not so broad that it, it chokes the athlete off and they don't know what to do with it. So, sh- shorter to the point, conversational, make it sound like you, um, be yourself. That's maybe the best way to put it, is to be yourself in, uh, in a letter. Uh, the other thing, because we mentioned earlier that it's, it's harder to reply to a letter um, you have the option here in a letter to do one of two things. Now, in an email, text message, we're always on you to, uh, and we have done several articles of this on our Honey Badger recruiting site. And if you haven't been on that site, uh, and if you aren't getting those emails, you're not subscribed, go to dantutor.com, click on the Honey Badger recruiting uh, tab at the top, go there, read through some of the articles. If you aren't subscribed, I would encourage you to do that because it is great training that happens several times a week. Uh, a lot of our good stuff, best stuff, goes out there uh, for our clients and subscribers. Um, but we've put a lot of information out lately uh, on uh, on effective response rates. Well, with a letter, you do have the option uh, when it comes to response, one or two things. You can certainly, in the same way that you would for an email, say, uh, just wanted to write you this letter. I uh, would love to hear what you, uh, you know, how it all sounds to you. Um, text me, email me. I would love to hear from you later this week. You can definitely do that completely appropriate if you uh, feel like you want a response from that message that you sent. If you don't, let's just say that you've been asking for a response in a lot of your emails and other messages. You've had good communication with a large population of athletes. You have in a letter, I think, permission to just have it be information that goes out if it's shortened to the point like we just talked about. Um, so you could wrap up that letter with saying, just thought it was important that you know uh, these one or two things about life on campus. Next time we talk, um, I can answer any questions. Hope you're having a great week. Talk to you again soon. In other words, we don't necessarily invite a response because a letter is more of a statement. It is more of a piece that is telling the story. It's it's your advertisement. It's your commercial for the school. And it is, uh, again, not something that is so dependent on getting a, uh, a reply, as long as you're getting that with the other forms uh, of media. Um, the other thing that you have with a letter, the next point I want to make is that with a letter, you have the opportunity to add a PS. Um, so you know, I grew up in the late 70s, 80s, uh, so I'm a kid that you know, whenever we got something, uh, if it was a letter, the PS really meant something. That was exciting because, oh, there's more, and I'm going to read that, and that's maybe in their personal handwriting instead of uh, being typed on a page. You have the same opportunity to do that. And that's the thing I think that creative coaches have really uh, focused in on and they like about letters now is that when we point out the power of PS, 
and what you're able to do with it. The fact that they will read that every single time. Um, a letter is really one of the primary ways, really the only way you can do that. Um, you can do it with an email. It just is not common because we're going to, you know, a PS is after the letter is written, oh, you know, I needed to add this and so you write a PS. An email, you would just go back if you remembered and add it to the email. So it's harder to do a PS that looks and feels right. With a letter, though, uh, it's very natural. And the other thing that we find with letters that have a PS is that when that athlete or when that parent opens it, they open up that envelope. There's your letter, uh, short to the point, conversational, but there's this handwritten PS at the bottom. What do we all do with a handwritten PS at the bottom of a letter? We read the PS first. So it's an immediate engagement that happens nearly 100% of the time. And then we go back and it actually compels us to read what the PS was about, which is what? It's the rest of the message. So a PS that you add to the letter is really important if you can do it uh, because it's a signal that you're, this is a personal letter, you're writing just to them. It creates an extra level of attention to that letter. Uh, this also solves the problem. If you're sitting there thinking, well, Dan, Dan in his Maple Leaf world doesn't understand. I'm recruiting 50 kids. I can't write a personal letter to each one of them. Coach, I agree with you, and I don't want you to write a personal letter when it's talking about um, sort of a topic of, uh, you know, to, to your entire recruiting class that we're doing. This is a part of your rec regular recruiting message. I don't want you, and I don't expect you to write a personal letter to each one of your athletes. Um, I still think each one of those athletes should get that letter talking as this example we've been using about life on campus uh, in general. But then with the PS, you have the opportunity to add that personalization to each letter, to each individual recruit that speaks specifically to them. So you, in other words, you have the same letter that goes to um, a little side note. I'm driving and I'm talking with my hands. That's never a good combination, so i got to stop doing that. Um, just a little self-reminder there. When you, when you send out, you create that letter, it sounds personal, you're talking about a topic, and now you want to personalize it. So that means, um, you know, P.S., Jamie, great talking to you the other night. Congrats on the big game this weekend. Um, I'll try to give you a call or a text later, later this week. Hope you're doing good. Okay, because you know that's going to Jamie. It's relevant to what you just talked to that athlete about. Next one, Josh, uh, hey, good luck this weekend. And remember, get the app in so that I can take it over to admissions and check in and make sure everything's on schedule. And, and so on and so forth. So you can personalize it with a note to each prospect. What you've done is really critical because what's one of the biggest uh, hurdles that you have as a coach? It's to recruit in mass. It's to, like we talked about in part one of this uh, this two-part series, is to create that efficiency. Well, we're doing that here. We're, we're giving them something that's the most relevant to them, the most important. We are talking to them about a topic, but we're doing it in mass, so there's the efficiency part. But along with that, we're adding individualization through the PS. So now we have to we, if we talk conversationally, it sounds like we wrote that letter. We gave that message to the prospect. It goes out to all 50, but you're able to, at your discretion, add the personal note to each individual recruit that will ensure they come away with the feeling like this is written just to me. And they'll react to it, read it, and the response rates for those types of messages 
most of the time are 60-70%. If you're asking for a response, the response rate is incredible to that. And the PS always gets talked about. So there are so many good things uh, when you do, when you do that that uh, I I really just recommend that you um, you you give that a try. Um, same everything is the same for the uh, the parents that you are writing to. All those same rules apply. All the same benefits apply, and that's something that is um, uh, just again really really recommended. Uh, so for letters, that's really the, the core part of what I wanted to tell you. Those, those key points are um, really the, the big things that we've noticed as the advantages. Again, this is part of an overall recruiting messaging plan, which should include the letter, yes, but also the emailing. Um, you're going to text and phone call with them and communicate with them like that. You're posting stuff on social media. They're, of course, you're going to visit them and see them compete. Uh, they're coming to your campus. So all these things are happening, and what we create is many different layers of the experience. Letters, I think, because they cost money, because they're harder to do and more time-consuming to do, coaches have largely abandoned them in terms of an overall uh, big play in recruiting over a, a consistent period of time. I'm here to tell you that if you can make the choice and find a way to put those letters out that are consistent throughout the process, you will see a quantifiable difference in the uh, the recruits that you get, the level of response, the level and quality of the recruit that is responding, and you'll see the value. And that's really what I want you to understand is, yes, it's hard, but there's incredible value in sending this letter to this generation who really has had no experience in receiving hard copy mail before it matters to them they put value on it they measure you by it it's a great way to separate yourself from your competition uh, and it is well worth the extra little bit of time every couple of weeks to put that together and get it out uh, of course expenses you have to factor that in and i realize that there are budgets out there that are, are incredibly tight if that's the case then just send it to your top five or ten every couple of weeks those athletes that really matter, that you're trying to, to get on board, that are going to make an immediate difference, big difference for your program, make sure that at least they're getting it. But I would, again, I'd vote for the entire recruiting class, depending on the numbers. So that's what I wanted to tell you about letters. Uh, emails were part one. Letters here in part two. You put those two things together, Coach, and that creates the foundation, the base for all of your storytelling. And again, it goes to answer the two key questions that we brought up in part one, which recruits tell us they're consistently trying to answer when a coach is communicating with them and recruiting them. They're trying to answer the questions, why should I come to your school, play for your program, number one, and number two, how are you better than my competition? Well, you know what, folks, if you do the, these two things, the emailing and the letters, that are the way I've described it, you're going to largely achieve those two questions because you're going to make the case. You're going to do it differently than the vast majority of other coaches out there. And they're going to notice the difference, respond to it, and have a different opinion of you at the end than they did at the beginning. And it's going to be really tough to say no. I'm not saying it is uh, guaranteed that you're going to get every recruit now, but you're going to make it really hard for them to say no. And uh, that's what this is all about. Hopefully, we tip them over at the end and get them. But if not, let's make it really hard for them to say no. Because if you're doing that, then you know your recruiting messaging 
is really hitting the mark. Uh, on that note, too, just one quick thing. A lot of you uh, from time to time ask about what does it mean to be a client of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. Uh, when we work with coaching staffs and we work with about 450 different coaching staffs and programs and athletic departments around the country, we help them put together this series of messaging. We help them figure out through research with their team what they should be talking about. We help them create the right verbiage, the right texting, uh, the right text, I should say, in the message, uh, what they should tie it in with social media and their phone calls and text messages. We do all that. Um, we have openings around the country for clients in certain sports and certain regions. So if you have questions or if you would be interested in having us help you do this and take some of that burden of creation off your plate, that's what we're doing 80% of our day. Our entire staff is devoted to that client work. And we would love to talk to you about maybe would it work for you um, and uh, in your program and, and how would it help you meet your goals. So if you, if you have questions about that, you can go to the website, dantutor.com. Just click the, the uh, recruiting tab, get in touch with us. You can email me, dan at dantutor.com, uh, and I'll be happy to, to uh, get information back and, and we'll have uh, myself or an, and our staff contact you and sit down and talk with you because that's what it's all about is making you effective, high-level recruiters. Uh, we work with BCS Division One schools. We work with little tiny NAIA schools and everything in between. So if we're helping them at all levels, uh, and I know we can help you, and we would love to because that's what our passion is, is helping coaches. So, Coach, thanks for listening to this two-part series. We really appreciate you being uh, avid listeners of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We'll be more in, we'll be back with more in the next episode. Um, if you have ideas for the episode, again, email me. would love to hear that, and uh, we will keep putting them out. And that's what we're all about, again, is information going out to you that tells you how to recruit. So thanks for listening to this two-part series, especially today's episode. Look forward to hearing from you, and I look forward to talking to you again on the next College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.